I'm excited to be here this morning, thankful to be here this morning. Revelation chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number 5. We're walking through the book of Revelation. Today we're in chapter number 5 and talking about Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. Before we get into the text today, I want to ask a question, and, uh, and I want you to take a moment to, 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 to answer, all right? Uh, and the question I want to ask today is this. When you arrive at where you are headed, where will that be? Uh, when you arrive at where you're headed, where will that be? <clears throat> I think that's a great question to ponder, I think, for all of us to, 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 to just really uh, examine ourselves. Where will I be? Uh, and, and, and I think that there are a lot of folks that when you're asked that question really don't have a very good answer, uh, simply because a lot of times people have no idea where they're headed. Uh, they're just living in the here and the now. I'm just going to go to church. I'm just going to go to Publix. I'm just going to go to the grocery store. I'm just going to go to wherever it might be. The next stop, uh, the next uh, uh, little excursion that I might have uh, with no thought to eternal matters. Uh, in fact, uh, I've heard it said that some people just live life shoveling smoke and uh, no thought given to the finish line. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, the finish line, we're to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and in verse number two, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, uh, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so uh, as a believer, we need to keep our eyes fixed on the finish line. Where will we be? Uh, and the reason for that is because if we keep our eyes fixed on the finish line and remember the direction that we are headed in, it has a direct impact on what we do immediately. It directly impacts what we're doing today. It impacts our actions. It impacts our reactions, the way in which we live life. It determines our course. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter number 12 about the believer's life, it says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And today, I just want each of us to really ask ourselves the question, when we arrive, where we're headed, where will that B, Revelation chapter number five, we're beginning in verse number one. So read along with me uh, from God's word. The Bible says this, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or even to look into it. And one of the elders said to me in verse number five, stop weeping. 
Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures uh, and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and forever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Revelation chapter number five. So it's a continuation. We didn't have chapter and verse when it was written. And so we're talking about the revelation, the revelation singular of Jesus Christ. Many visions, one revelation of Jesus Christ. So he has this vision of what's happening in heaven. When you're reading through the book of Revelation, uh, we start out with a picture, with a vision in chapter number one of Jesus Christ. And then uh, uh, we move into chapters two and three and, and, and John the Revelator writes letters to the churches, Christ sends letters through the pen of John to the churches in chapter 2 and 3. And then he's immediately transported after chapter 3 into the throne room of God Almighty in heaven. He's having a vision. And so here we are in chapter number 5. It's a continuation from chapter number four. And in chapter number four, uh, we saw that he was overwhelmed, talking about John, was overwhelmed with the throne of God Almighty. In chapter number five, he begins looking and he's observing and he sees a book. He sees a book. And so we're going to see as this scene unfolds what happens and what we're talking about here. And as we do, what, hap what is happening is in the first four verses, we see from John's perspective, uh, really a reflection of all of humanity, the desperation of creation, the desperation of creation. He looks and he says, good night. He's holding a book. What is that book that he's holding in his right hand? God Almighty. It's the title deed of all of creation. And, uh, and, and within that book is the subject of redemption, the terms and the conditions of the redemption of mankind. It's the title deed of everything that is in existence. And so, and so that's exactly what he's holding. And so it's a picture, really, uh, if you want to look back at Jeremiah, there's a story in the book of Jeremiah that really kind of gives us a picture of this scene and what is happening and what it's all about. In Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah had been prophesying and Jeremiah had prophesied to the nation of Israel. And he told them, he said, hey, listen, the Babylonians are going to come and they're going to take you captive. And yet Jeremiah was 
was commanded to go and buy his cousin's property. And, and, and the reason for that was because, hey, I'm going to come back and reclaim what is rightfully yours, and you need to go ahead and purchase the property, and we will seal it with terms and conditions. And so the Bible says in Jeremiah 32, verses number 8 through 10, it, it, it talks about that story. The Bible says in verse number 8, Then Hannibal, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the guard, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Buy my field, please, that is at Anathoth, which is in the land of Benjamin, for you have the right of possession, and the redemption is yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. I bought the field, which was at Ananath, from Hannibal, my uncle's son, and I weighed out the silver for him, 17 shekels of silver. I signaled, uh, I signaled, I signed and sealed the deed, and called in witnesses and weighed out the silver and the scales. And it goes on from there, verse number 11, then I took the deeds of purchase, uh, both the sealed copy containing the terms and conditions and the open copy. In other words, he, he said, man, I am going to come back to reclaim what is mine. And that's exactly uh, what is happening. God is holding the title deed to the world and everything therein. Now, you might say, <clears throat> did not God create the heavens and the earth and everything in them? I thought that he owned it all, to which I would say absolutely in the beginning he did. However, if you read the story in the book of Genesis, what we will find is that God gave mankind dominion over all of creation. He gave it to mankind. And what mankind did with that dominion was handed it over to the devil. That's the reason why when we're reading about the devil, uh, he's referred to as the prince of the powers of the earth. The Bible says in John chapter number 12, over in John chapter 12, verse number 31, it says <clears throat> this, now judgment is upon this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And so that's the Bible's way of referring to, again, the devil as <clears throat> the ruler of this world. How did he become ruler? Mankind handed over dominion to him. That's what happened. It's kind of like this. I know it falls short, but it's kind of like this. Suppose you were to buy uh, a brand new vehicle for your 16-year-old, and they go out and say, man, I'd rather cash it out and get me some money. And, uh, and they go and cash it out and get you some money. Well, you know what happened is they gave away what you had granted to them, and the only way you can get it back is not by going out and just snatching it back, but you have to pay back. You have to pay redemption. You have to pay a price. According to the law in the Old Testament, the Bible says in Leviticus, over in the book of Leviticus, chapter 25, and in verse number 25, this is just part of the law. The Bible says this, if a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor, he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what his relative has sold. And that's why God became man. He is our kinsman redeemer, and he came and he bought back what we had forfeited that he had granted to us. That would be, again, the title deed to the entire world. And so when you're talking about redemption, uh, redemption comes to buy back. To buy back comes with a price, comes with a cost. Anytime you purchase something, there's a price to be paid. And that's why the Bible says in Romans chapter number six and in verse number 23, 
for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's the reason why Jesus came into this world. That's the reason why he laid down his life, because he was buying back and resetting what was rightfully his even in the beginning because of sin. And so when you have in the Old Testament, when you're reading in the Old Testament, we read uh, about lambs. In fact, in the Old Testament law, lambs were slain. <clears throat> uh, lambs, little, little, little lambs. In fact, when you're talking about the Passover, it's interesting because they would take a little spotless lamb, and the Bible says they would take it into their homes for four days before they would slaughter the lamb. Why would they do that? Well, the reason why they would do that is so that they would be identifying themselves with that little lamb, understanding, again, the weight and the magnitude of their sin. And so in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing <clears throat> of what it costs because of Sin. There's a price to be paid to redeem, to set right that which has been lost. It's called redemption. We talk about redemption. We sing about redemption. We're redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And we're not talking about the lambs in the Old Testament because they could not pay the price. They were a foreshadowing of the spotless lamb of God that would come one day. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses number 11 and following. Hebrews chapter number 10, verses number 11 and following. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, talking about Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, <clears throat> waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, has purchased the title deed. He paid the price of redemption. Now John is in heaven, uh, back to our scene and what's happening here. God still today is holding this title deed. The redemption price has been paid by Jesus Christ, waiting for him to come claim what is rightfully his. So God Almighty is on the throne today, and he is holding, he is holding that title deed. And so John, back in our story and in our picture as he's presenting it to us, the Bible says he's there, and, and in verse number two, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. In other words, he said, who is able? And when you think about what was happening there in the scene of heaven, when you think about the throne of heaven and who was there, he's simply saying, hey, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel is a mighty angel, but he's not worthy to open the book. Michael, the archangel, oh, he was there and he was present, but he's not worthy to open the book. All of the saints of old, Moses, Elijah, oh, they were there, but they're not worthy to open the book. The apostle Paul would have been there, but he's not worthy. Peter is not worthy. Who is worthy to open the book? And so if there's no one worthy to open the book and to examine, then we're still under this curse of sin. We're still living in a broken world. Will the earth forever live under the curse? And that's the reason why John, as he's writing, he's looking and says, man, we can't find anybody worthy to open the book. And then I began to weep in verse number four greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. Why was he weeping? Because the world is broken. 
When we look around at the world, the reason why we have death, the reason why we have disease, the reason why we have heartache, the reason why we have hardship is because we're living life in a sin-cursed world that needs desperately to be reset. He says, who is worthy? The desperation of mankind. I think it's funny in verse number five, myself, the Bible says, and one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. And we have the revelation of Jesus Christ from verse five to seven. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. He says, here's the revelation of Christ. There's only one who is worthy and his name is Jesus Christ. He is worthy. Why was he worthy? Well, there's a couple of reasons why, and the Bible gives them to us. Number one, uh, simply because of who he is, his relation, because of who he is. There are two uh, uh, messianic titles given to who he is. The Bible says it's the lion that is from the tribe of Judah. And so when you look at the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Judah happened to be the king's tribe. And so they're saying, hey, he's the lion from the tribe of Judah. What does that mean? That means he's king of all kings. That's who he is. In fact, the Bible says back in Genesis chapter number 49 and verses number 8 through 10. In Genesis chapter 49 and in verses number 8 through 10, Judah talking to uh, uh, Jude, Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion and as a lion who dares rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of all the peoples. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the lion from the tribe of Judah. He's king of the forest. Interesting. There are two messianic uh, uh, titles again given. One is lion from the tribe of Judah. The second one being he's from the root of David. He's from the root of David. He's a descendant of David. David being that preeminent king in the nation of Israel, he came out of his lineage and God Almighty said that is exactly where my Messiah will come from. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 11 and in verse number 1, the Bible says this, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And it goes on in verse number uh, 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 10 of the same chapter. Then in that day, the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Who is Jesus Christ? He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the lion from the tribe of Judah. He is from the root of David. But what has he done? 
Well, he's not just the lion. In fact, when you look in what's happening, there's an announcement made. Hey, behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah. And the Bible says all of a sudden John looks. And when John looks, he didn't see the lion. But what did John see? John looked and he saw a lamb as if slain. When you're talking about who is Jesus and why is he worthy, number one, because of who he is in his relationship, but number two, because of redemption and what he has done. The Bible talks about him this way. It says, I saw between, in verse number six, the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain. He's unique. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all of the earth. He's saying, man, this lamb, he, he has seven horns. What do the seven horns have to do with the lamb? That means, man, he is all powerful. That's what that means. He's, um, he's the omnipotent one. The seven eyes are a reflection of his omniscience. He understands and knows all things. And the seven spirits, he is in all places. He is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Jesus Christ and what he has done. He's the one who has been slain for all of the world. The Bible says in John chapter number one and in verse number 29, John chapter one, verse number 29, John the Baptist was there baptizing. And the Bible says the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is worthy because he's paid the price. He is the Lamb of God who has been slain for you and for me. That is how he paid the price for the redemption of mankind is through his precious blood. And when we see him in heaven, it's interesting when you're talking about heaven because I believe that the only things that man made in heaven are the scars on the Son of God. Forever reminding us that, hey, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Why? Because he paid the redemption price for you and for me to set right what we had messed up. Aren't you grateful for an incredible Savior? Jesus is worthy. Jesus walks over and Jesus takes the scroll from the hand of God Almighty, the Bible says in verse number seven. And then in verse number eight, all of a sudden, man, there's this adoration and worship, ensuing worship. In fact, when you look at what's happening in the presence of God Almighty, the Bible says in verse number eight, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures, we talked about them last week, and the 24 elders, which is the redeemed from all, kind, all mankind. Uh, in fact, I believe I'm going to be in that number. And if today you are a child of God, I believe you will be in this number that we're talking about right here. The Bible says, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. 
And I'm telling you, man, what happened there in that moment, all of a sudden, all of the angels began to sing. All of the angels were inspired. All of the angels were encouraged because of the redeemed. And the Bible says they all gathered together and began to sing. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him, to Jesus who sits on on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and forever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. The Bible tells us it is very clear that there's coming a day, one day, when 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 every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is King. He is Lord of all. It's going to happen one day. The adoration of Christ. We see a celebration and, in fact, worship, ensuing worship happening in the presence of God. And there's two parts to the worship that is being displayed right here. Number one is prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. All of the prayers of the saints that have ever been praised are poured out before him. Why? Because he's answered every last one of them. He's faithful. You say, man, he hadn't answered my prayer. Oh, he will if he hasn't already. And they pour out the prayers before God. That's part of our worship. And they have the harps and they begin to sing, praising him. Why? Because he's worthy to be praised. You know what's interesting? Last week, they were so fixated and focused on the throne and on Jesus that they continue to sing And they are still to this day and forevermore continuing to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Because their focus was on the Holy One. Their focus was on the Holy One. And if we're not careful, what we do is we get distracted in our worship. What we do is when we gather together, we're not focused and fixated on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, on the one who redeemed me, who shed his blood for me. We're not fixed on Jesus Christ, but instead we focus our attention on the song being sung rather than the one to whom the song is sung. And that is the reason why we get bored in worship. It's not about the song. It's the one to whom we sing. And they're singing a song, and this time they're singing about the blood. Isn't it interesting? When you look at what they're singing about, they're singing about the blood, the one who was slain, the blood that was shed. Why? Because they're talking and singing and praising God for redeeming mankind. That was, that's exactly what was held, was the title deed to all of creation. And so they're singing about the blood. Why the blood? Because that was the price of redemption. That was the cost of redemption. And he paid the price for you and me. Why? Because we could not pay it for ourselves. Isn't it interesting? I tell you what, I think about worship today and I think about our songs today. I'm grateful to God today. We sing a song about the blood, but let me tell you something. That was an old fashioned song. There aren't many songs being written anymore about the blood. You know what I'm talking about? Think about it. Think about the new songs, latest songs. We don't see many songs about the blood anymore. I I think about the songs that we grew up on. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the... Redeemed by the... Just make sure we're there. (laughs) 
I wrote down several songs. One of those old school songs, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. You know that song? That's a beautiful song about the blood. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This week, I was looking at this text of Scripture, and I was thinking about the blood. And the song that kept coming to me uh, that I couldn't get out of my head was just simply a little chorus that says, Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And washes white as snow. Aren't you thankful for the blood? All have sinned. All have sinned. Stained. And only the blood can cleanse the stain. Ever been a time in your life when you said, you know what, I know that I am stained by sin. I know that I have fallen short of God's glory. And you realize that God loves me still. In fact, in fact, even in that condition, when I was far away, God demonstrated his great love for me and for you. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't you thankful? And not only did he die and pay the price for your sin, but he conquered death in the grave. He overcame and he's alive today and desires relationship with you. And I'm just asking the question, do you have relationship with him? He's worthy. He's worthy. When you read the text of Scripture, the Bible says, <clears throat> and the elders fell down and they worshipped, and they worshipped. When you arrive at where you are headed, where will you be? I'm telling you today, before God Almighty, I'm going to be at the feet of Jesus, worshipping forever and forever and forever and forever. What about you? It's only for the believers. It's only for the redeemed. And if you've never called on the name of Jesus, I want to invite you today. Maybe you're here this morning. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And I just want to encourage you to call on his name today while you can. Would you do me a favor and join me for a time of prayer? As we pray today, where are you headed? Are you living life haphazardly, moment by moment? Or are you saved? Have you fixed your eyes on Jesus? And he's determining my course that eventually is going to bring me to his feet. Where are you today? Hey, I just want to invite you. We're going to pray. 
after I pray, we're going to sing a song. And after the song is sung, it's going to be people down front, down here. And maybe you hear this morning say, man, I'd like to talk to somebody about a relationship with God. I'm inviting you to come today. You come this morning. You come. Father, I thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for our redemption. I thank you, God, for Jesus Christ, that even before the foundation of the world, God, you set in motion your plan to redeem us because you knew that we would sin. And you knew that there was a price to pay. And God, you were the only one worthy, willing, and able to pay the price of redemption for us. And God, I thank you that you came as our kinsman redeemer. God, you took on flesh and became a man. And Lord Jesus, you who knew no sin, you became sin. You took my sin and our sin. And God, you paid the price on the cross. And today I just want to say thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Oh, God, thank you that you conquered death in the grave. And, Lord Jesus, we know that you are at the right hand of the throne of God Almighty. And one of these days, we're going to have the privilege to see you. Oh, what a day that's going to be. God, today, search our hearts. Oh, Father, whether they be in this building or online, Lord Jesus, if there be any that's never called on your name and is not saved, God, that today would be the day of salvation, that today, God, your spirit might draw them to Jesus. God, thank you again for this moment. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.